to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, good morning. Welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's a joy to be in in worship with you this morning. I want to remind you, 4 p.m. this afternoon in Sanctuary, we have our annual Glory of Christmas concert. It's a fantastic opportunity to invite friends, family, really enter into the spirit of Advent and the Christmas season. I want you also to know that we take in a, a majority of our revenue really in the last quarter of the year, and December is a really time where we need people to step up and be generous so we can meet the needs uh, that God has called us to at the end of the year. Um, I, I mentioned to you last week that I love getting encouragement notes. I love it. It's awesome. And I got two notes this week, but you, you know what I love even more? Encouragement notes that come with checks. <laughs> yeah. Amen, huh? And, um, and, and we, we had two visitors this week that sent very generous contributions. They're visitors. They see the ministry happening here, and they want to support what's going on. And so I want to thank them, but I want to thank all of you. Whether you've been a member for 50 years or you're just a visitor, how is God calling you to contribute and generously give to the ministry of Roswell Presbyterian Church? Well, today, we're going to continue our study of the Magnificat, Mary's song. We've looked at Mary's journey from Nazareth to her cousin Elizabeth's side in a village outside of Jerusalem. Last week, we looked at Elizabeth's words of encouragement to Mary, her cousin. And today, finally, we're, I know you've been waiting for it on this edge of your seat for the past few weeks. We're going to get into Mary's song, her actual lyrics to this song, the Magnificat. So let's open our, our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to read the entire passage, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 50. <clears throat> in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, and here we go, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious, loving God, we ask the next few moments, you might be our teacher, that you by your spirit might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you ever wonder how musicians and songwriters come up with the lyrics for their songs? Mary comes to Elizabeth and Elizabeth offers these great words of reassurance and encouragement to Mary. She says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. 
And then Mary, in response, launches into her great song, what we know as the Magnificat. The Magnificat, the word comes from the Latin magnifico. It means to magnify, praise, or glorify. And so when Mary sings, my soul magnifies the Lord, she's praising God for what God is doing through her. Mary sings her praise to God for this mysterious miracle that God is working in her. Now, where does she get the words for this song? Does she come up with them off the top of her head? Does she kind of have some like a little lyrical inspiration? Does she pull them out of thin air? When it comes to music, I am what we might call a lyrics guy. I love the words. I love trying to look between the lines and figure out what is this musician, what is this artist trying to convey through the words? I like reading the backstories. You know, what was going on in this artist's life when he or she wrote this song? I like to try to figure out how an artist is drawing from the past and then interacting it and use it, using it in their current songs that they're writing. In the mid-2000s, my favorite band uh, was this band called The Dismemberment Plan, and they're from Washington, D.C. And you remember, uh, if, you know, um, if you know Death Cab for Cutie, they went on tour together, and they called it the Death and Dismemberment Tour. <laughs> anyway, and they, uh, The Dismemberment Plan have this awesome rhythm section that I just love, and they've got these kind of like quirky, funny, clever, interesting lyrics that I just, I loved I love reading and thinking about, and, they, and I love how they interact with kind of rock and roll history. And one, their famous, one of their famous songs is called The Ice of Boston. And it tells the story of a perspective of the songwriter. He's singing, it's New Year's Eve, and he's celebrating New Year's Eve by himself in Boston. And in the last verse, he's listening to the radio at 3 a.m. And a Gladys Knight song comes on, Midnight Train to Georgia. Do you know this song, Midnight Train to Georgia? And so this guy, Travis Morrison, who's the lead singer, he, says, he sings this. He says, I woke up at 3 a.m. with the radio on, and, that's, and that Gladys Knight and the Pip song came on, about how she'd rather live in his world with him than live in her own world alone. And I laid there, head spinning, trying to fall asleep, and I thought to myself, oh, Gladys, girl, I love you, but oh, get a life. And I just love that, because I love the song Midnight Train to Georgia, and I'd never thought much about it but she'd rather live in his world with him than live in her own world alone. I thought, that is kind of pathetic. Come on, girl, be okay with yourself. And I love that song because it's in conversation with music that's gone before. It's in conversation with the past. And so this week I've had so much fun reading Mary's song, the Magnificat, and seeing how she's drawing on the past and using it for her present moment, for her present purposes. There's a quote attributed to Mark Twain that says, history doesn't often repeat itself, but it does rhyme. History doesn't often repeat itself, but it does rhyme. So I hope that you have people in your life, you know, when you go through a rough time, they say, I've been there, I've been where you're at. I've had my girlfriend break up with me. I know how it feels. There are more fish in the sea. <laughs> I've lost my job, I've gotten fired. I know how it feels. But man, this might open you up to new opportunities. We need these people in our life to sustain us, to offer us hope out of their own experience. And from their experience, it encourages us when we go through rough times. And Mary's song is in conversation with the past. She finds spiritual resources for her present moment by looking at the past and seeing how history, how God has worked in history through other women. There's two figures that she primarily draws upon to write this great song. 
The first is a woman named Hannah. The story of Hannah can be read in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel basically tells the story of the monarchy in Israel, the creation of it, the rise of King Saul, his fall, and then the transition of the monarchy to King David. And the cent- central person in that story is Samuel. He's the, one of the great prophets in, in Israel. And S- Samuel has an interesting origin story. His father was a man named Elkanah, who had two wives. His first wife was named Peninnah. Peninnah had a bunch of children. But Elkanah's wife, Hannah, his other wife, was barren, had no children. And even though she had no children, Elkanah preferred Hannah. And so this made Peninnah very angry. And Peninnah would harass, would taunt Hannah. I mean, for years, she would bully her. And Hannah was so in despair, she goes to the temple and she makes a promise to God, God, if you will give me a male son, I will dedicate him in service to the temple. She's despairing so much when she's praying, the the priest Eli thinks she's drunk. She says, I'm not drunk, I'm in despair. And Eli prays on her behalf and God hears that prayer. And she conceives and gives birth to Samuel. That whole story is told in 1 Samuel chapter one, but guess what's in chapter two? It's called Hannah's prayer. Hannah sings a song of prayer. And verses one and two, she sings, my heart is strengthened in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. Listen to this. I delight in your salvation. Bless you. I delight in your salvation. This can also be translated, I rejoice in your salvation, or I I find gladness in your salvation. Does that look familiar? We'll go back to Luke chapter one, verse 47. When Mary sings, my spirit rejoices in God my savior. That can also be translated. My spirit delights or has found gladness in God's saving me, God my savior. I rejoice, I delight, I find gladness in God. I love that Mary goes back to Hannah and finds inspiration how she can be glad in the Lord. Last Sunday, I quoted Frederick Buechner, the Presbyterian minister, his great line about vocation and calling. He says, our vocation is where our deep gladness and the world's great need intersect. I think it's so interesting because I don't really think of religion, when I think of religion and spiritual, I don't think of gladness often. But it's, it does seem that our religion should give, give birth to gladness in our hearts, to joy. Last Monday, I was doing the closing the distance conversation with Lindsay, and she asked me about that, that concept of gladness and where Beekner got it from, and I was like, I, I really don't know. And then I was so um, excited this week when I was studying this passage to find that both Hannah and Mary use this concept of gladness, that God has looked down upon them, has, has created a miracle in their lives, and there's a source of joy, there's a source of gladness. And I think if your religion, if your spirituality doesn't lead to gladness and joy, you're doing it wrong. All right? One of the most famous musicians, I've learned this from, is Bruce Springsteen. As you know, Springsteen grew up in New Jersey in a Catholic family. And one of the themes in his music is anxiety, fear, shame, and guilt. Felt very shamed and guilt-ridden from his Catholicism and how he was raised. And so a lot of his music is wrestling with that legacy in his life. And one of my favorite lines in all of rock and roll comes in his song, Badlands, on his album, Darkness on the Edge of Town. And in it, 
He's telling about a young man wrestling with anxiety, fear, shame, guilt. And he says this, for the ones who had a notion, a notion deep inside, it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive. I've always loved that. It ain't no sin to be glad you're alive. How many of us feel shame and guilt? We're a little worried about feeling gladness and joy. We see how the pain and agony and suffering in the world, and I think sometimes when we feel glad or happy or joyful, we feel shame and guilt. But I'm here to tell you, it ain't no sin to be glad you're alive if God has blessed you. Learn from Mary, learn from Hannah to feel gladness in your heart. And so Mary learns that from Hannah. The second figure that Mary draws on to write the Magnificat comes in Genesis 29. Jacob has stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. And so he's on the run. And he comes across this woman, Rachel, and he is smitten. He falls head over hills for Rachel. He wants to marry her. So he goes to Rachel's dad, Laban. And Laban's kind of a trickster, and Jacob's met his match. And Rachel has another sister named Leah, who's older. And we don't know the details, but it must have been some kind of con, because Laban tricks Jacob into marrying Leah when he's in love with Rachel. And so he goes to Laban, he says, I wasn't supposed to, I married the wrong girl. And he says, I got you. Now you're gonna have to work a little bit longer for me and then eventually you can marry Rachel. And so he does that. And one of the things is he loves Rachel, but he's, Leah is unloved. And it's so sad. And, and Leah is so despairing. And eventually God looks down and he grants her she has a child. And Leah, in chapter 29 of Genesis, in response to be conceiving and birthing a child, she sings a song. Listen to this. Leah conceived and bore a son, and she named him Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has looked on my affliction. The Lord has seen me. It could also be translated on my low estate, my lowliness, my affliction. And Leah says, God has intervened on her behalf. And guess what? Mary looks back at that and quotes it in the Magnificat. Mary sings her song, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Mary identifies with Leah who's gone before her. And in Leah's song, she finds spiritual sustenance to help her through this magnificent miracle that God has worked on her behalf. Mary says, God will not forget you even when you're afflicted even in your lowliness or your low estate. Last week I mentioned Johann Sebastian Bach wrote a famous Magnificat. And I told you that Bach had two convictions that undergirded his writing of the Magnificat. Number one, he believed, he said that Mary sang the song. And number two, that we should make her song our song. That Mary's song should become our song. And we've looked at three women that God did not forget, Leah, Hannah, and Mary. And now Bach, in the 18th century, made their song his song. You know, in 1723, Johann Sebastian Bach began his 27-year career as a cantor at the Church of St. Thomas, uh, St. Thomas in Leipzig, Leipzig, Germany. For Bach, this was a demotion in his career in terms of kind of career prestige. A lot of people don't know that. He was a musician in the royal courts, and then he gets 
a job as a cantor at the church, and it was kind of a demotion. Also, to make matters worse, he was the hiring team, he was their third selection. Two other guys were offered the job and turned it down. And so the, the town council agreed to hire Bach. And the city councilman, Abraham Christoph Platz, concluded this. If we cannot get the best, then we will have to settle for average. <laughs> Bach! Little did they know that their average candidate would go on to be one of the most famous and influential composers in the history of music. And I think it's no surprise that he decided for one of his first compositions to write the Magnificat, Mary's song. Mary's song of her lowly estate, drawing from, from Leah and Hannah. And Bach draws inspiration from them. It's been passed over. It's a demotion. But yet he's able to draw on their song and he makes their song his song. God can raise the lowly to new heights in the most surprising way. And so let's let this Advent season be a reminder that God wants to fill you with gladness. And let this Advent season be a reminder that God, even when you're afflicted, has not forgotten you. Even in your lowest state, God remembers. It was true for Mary. It was true for Hannah. It was true for Leah. It was true for Bach. It's true for us too. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that you have remembered us. Lord, I pray that this Advent season we might feel and be full of gladness of what you have done in Jesus Christ. Lord, that we might receive the good news, the Advent blessings that come from us, your son Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.